Disney-ish episode 9, Tangled. To Disneyish, a podcast for Disney fans. I am your host, Christopher. And if you've been listening to the show as it's been dropping, then I truly do mean a very warm welcome back because uh, it has been a few weeks and uh, <laughs> I, I definitely apologize for that. I did not intend for this break to be as long as it has been, uh, but it's just one of those things where life has been, you know, life, <laughs> um, you know, and I had a kind of a culmination of some health problems and um, also had a really, really nasty, nasty sinus infection for over a week uh, that I'm now finally getting over. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a challenging few weeks. So, uh, you know, I, I do apologize for the delay, but guess what? I'm back. So, <laughs> uh, and I am talking today about Tangled. To me, it really seems like it's a very beloved movie. Like a lot of Disney fans really seem to hold this movie up in high regard and consider it one of the best, especially uh, one of the best of the newer generation Disney movies, which... I would say The Princess and the Frog came before Tangled, and I feel like The Princess and the Frog is the movie that kind of like reawakened this uh, Disney train that we've pretty much been on <laughs> ever since. Uh, so Tangled premiered on November 14th, 2010. I think that the official theatrical release date was November 24th, but that it premiered uh, like the first time you know, audiences were able to see it in any kind of capacity it was November 14th and written by Dan Fogelman. And of course it's inspired by the uh, Brothers Grimm story Rapunzel directed by Nathan Greeno and Byron Howard. And our cast, we've got Mandy Moore as Rapunzel, Donna Murphy as Mother Gothel, Zachary Levi as Flynn Rider slash Eugene Fitzherbert, Brad Garrett as Hookhand Thug, Ron Perlman as Stabbington Brother, <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Tambor as Big Nose Thug. Music is, of course, by Alan Menken, and we've got lyrics by Glenn Slater. Uh, so the movie is a very loose adaptation of the Brothers Grimm fairy tale Rapunzel. In fact, um, we'll talk about this uh, in a bit, but um, the movie was originally titled Rapunzel and eventually was retitled to Tangled. Uh, and it would have made sense if it had been called Rapunzel because up till that point, that was kind of the Disney tradition, like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Cinderella, uh, well, Sleeping Beauty sort of, because it does, Sleeping Beauty is in reference to Aurora, but it's not actually her name. Uh, but most of the Disney movies, you know, were just kind of like simply named after the name of the main character. And or were just the same name as the fairy tale, 
you know, but this was kind of one of the first times, if not the first time that that tradition was broken. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a loose adaptation of the fairy tale of the princess who is locked in a tower and is essentially rescued by a prince. Um, the magically long haired Rapunzel has spent her entire life in a tower held captive by the nefarious mother Gothel. But once a runaway thief stumbles upon her, she discovers the world and who she really is for the first time. So as usual, before I, uh, you know, start tackling the movie and making observations about it and pointing out my favorite scenes and my favorite moments and my favorite lines and all that stuff, I do have some trivia for you about this movie. And the first thing that I want to share with you comes from the Disney Celebrates 100 magazine. And I talked about this magazine a couple of episodes ago, three episodes ago, I believe, in the Cinderella episode. And it's a magazine that came out this year to celebrate Disney's 100th anniversary because it was founded as a company in 1923. And this is, of course, in reference to Tangled. The Brothers Grimm fairy tale Rapunzel got the Disney treatment with Tangled, the most expensive animated film ever made at $260 million. For the studio's 50th release, the animators went all out to ensure it had a distinct artistic style. To create the impression of an oil painting on canvas, CGI and traditional animation were blended with non-photorealistic rendering. Disney software engineer Kelly Ward spent six years writing programs to illustrate Rapunzel's iconic hair. The painstaking planning paid off, and Tangled is often more celebrated for its visuals than its story about the princess who's locked away in a tower until she escapes with the help of handsome thief Flynn Rider. So yeah, Tangled, uh, definitely a milestone in a lot of ways. I mean, the most expensive animated movie ever made, and also Disney's 50th major animated release. So, and you know, that does not include... You know, The Little Mermaid 2, Return to the Sea, and um, Aladdin to The Return of Jafar, and movies like that. These are just like the major theatrical releases that are being counted here. But moving on to some other interesting facts about this movie, I believe the movie underwent a couple of name changes before Tangled was settled on. I alluded to this earlier. The first working title was Rapunzel Unbraided, and then just Rapunzel, and then finally Tangled. This would set off a trend of one-word adjective titles like Brave and Frozen. Uh, so that's another way that I do think that this movie is a milestone, is it kind of did change that for Disney, where the titles were more creative. They weren't just, you know, like Frozen, for example, is not just called The Snow Queen. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, you definitely had a trend after that of uh, adjective titles, you know? Um, I think Tangled probably did set that into motion. Uh, this is the first animated Disney princess movie to get a PG rating. All animated Disney princess movies up till this point had gotten a G rating. This was the first PG. And interestingly enough, these two names should sound familiar. Adina Menzel and Kristen Bell both auditioned for the role of Rapunzel. Obviously, they did not get it because Mandy Moore did, but... They both got huge parts in Frozen three years later. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, kind of worked out for them. Uh, Donna Murphy, who plays Mother Gothel, also played the witch from an Into the Woods Broadway run, who is technically a different variation of the same character. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I I talked a lot about The Witch in the last episode of the podcast because I covered the Into the Woods movie. And, you know, in Into the Woods, the witch is Rapunzel's captor. She abducted her just like Gothel did and is holding her captive in a tower and is also maternal at times, but also cruel at other times and is very manipulative. So they have a lot of similarities and really are technically different variations of the same character. They're stand-ins for the witch from the Rapunzel story. Tangled also has a lot of Disney Easter eggs in it. And I think probably the main reason for that is just as a way to celebrate it being the studio's 50th release. Uh, But the first series of uh, Easter eggs that I want to call attention to is the first scene in which we see Mother Gothel in the tower with Rapunzel. And there are a lot of items that kind of uh, connect Gothel to other Disney villains, you know, like just, I mean, I'm going to talk in a bit when I get to, you know, talking about uh, my observations about the movie and whatnot, but, you know, there's even like a popular fan theory out there that Mother Gothel and the Evil Queen from Snow White are actually the same person, but there are a lot of uh, little Easter eggs in this scene that Uh, are meant to represent other Disney villains. So, for example, you have the spinning wheel, and that's obviously Maleficent and Sleeping Beauty. You have the pattern of an apple, which, of course, is in reference to the Evil Queen's apple in Snow White. Uh, So there are a few Easter eggs um, in that scene that kind of just remind us of other Disney villains and possibly also are meant to tell us that, yes, this woman seems like she does love Rapunzel and she does seem nurturing in a certain way. She seems maternal in a certain way, but she's still a villain. We shouldn't trust her. That's also possibly what that was trying to do. And then the other scene that has a bunch of Disney Easter eggs in it that I wanted to call attention to is at the tavern, the Snuggly Duckling. Uh, You see Pinocchio in there. Right after the Cupid is swung to the right of the screen, you see Pinocchio. He is in the top right corner in the rafters. And you can also see Pumbaa from The Lion King. Um, And also Louie from The Princess and the Frog. He is one of the puppets that's used later in the song. And IMDb offers this interesting theory. I like this a lot. uh, That these characters are all characters that are in this scene because they also have big dreams. And this, of course, this scene is in reference to the, you know, I've got a dream song that the ruffians in the tavern sing. And all of these characters are characters that have big dreams. You know, Pinocchio wants to be a real boy. Uh, Pumbaa wants to be accepted. And Louis wants to be a jazz musician. So that's very likely. I think that's, that's probably spot on. That's probably why they're in there. I like that. Okay, so moving on to, uh, you know, just key scenes of the movie and key dialogue and just observations and favorite moments and stuff like that. The movie opens with Flynn Rider's wanted poster being seen on a tree. And uh, he tells us right in the opening narration, this is the story of how I died. And that kind of blew me away because I've seen this movie a handful of times. I want to say maybe three, four times now. And, you know, obviously I had to have realized this at some point in the past, but I think it also might just be one of those things that, like, 
you know, you get into the movie and you forget, it kind of just slips your mind that like, oh yeah, he tells you in the very, very beginning of the movie that he's going to die. And I just completely forgot about that uh, because he does technically. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's funny because like you would think that throughout the movie, if you get attached to this character, you're going to constantly be on edge worrying that he's going to die, you know, because he tells you right in the first line that he does. And I don't remember feeling that way. And I think it's because I just forgot about that line. But yeah, I had totally forgotten that the movie tells you right in its first line that he is going to die, uh, which, like I said, he does technically. I also had totally forgotten about the little detail that the magic flower apparently comes from the sun. Like it grew from a drop of the sun, which obviously doesn't make any sense. It's not scientifically sound, but it's a fairy tale. So we'll let it go. Uh, so you get a drop of the sun that causes a flower to bloom. And then this flower has healing properties. And, you know, I, <laughs> it's, it's just like, okay, it's, it's a Disney movie. It's a fairy tale. You've just got to go with it, you know? Um, and like I said, there is a popular fan theory that Gothel and the evil queen are the same person. I don't think so, but I do really like the evidence to support it because there is quite a bit of evidence. For starters, Gothel is first seen in the movie creeping by a cliff. The last time we see the evil queen in Snow White is as an old hag, and she falls from a cliff. So is it possible that she survived that somehow, that maybe she... Uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm not really sure. Um, just grabbed a hold of something on her way down, or... I don't know. Uh, she's obviously an old crone. And again, that's the last time. The last time that we see the evil queen in Snow White is as the old hag, as an old woman because of the disguise. And she, Mother Gothel, is very obsessed with looking young and beautiful. You constantly see her looking in the mirror, examining herself for wrinkles and, uh, you know, wanting her hair to not have any gray in it. And so she's definitely very obsessed with her image and also displays jealousy when it comes to Rapunzel because she's like constantly putting Rapunzel down and uh, it's just very obvious through several scenes that she's jealous of her and the evil queen is jealous of Snow White. Uh, but I, you know, there are many reasons why I, I don't, and I won't go into all of them, but there are a lot of reasons why I, I don't buy into that theory. I don't think that they're the same person. And one of them is that it does seem to me like their motivations are slightly different. Like Gothel wants to use the magic of Rapunzel's hair to keep herself looking young or not young, young, but, you know, middle-aged at least, because that's the thing. Like I would say when we see Gothel at her youngest looking in the movie, I mean, I would say maybe 40, 45. It's not like, you know, she she looks 20. I mean, she's middle-aged, I would say. And she seems content with that. And she seems much more worried about being young than she seems worried about being beautiful. And I do think that those aren't necessarily the same thing. And 
The evil queen's motivation seems to be primarily to be the most beautiful woman in the kingdom, according to the mirror. Gothel seems much more concerned with just avoiding old age. So I would say that their motivations aren't quite a match, uh, but there are definitely a lot of similarities. The people who ascribe to this theory, I will definitely give them that, but I just, I don't think so. I, uh, you know, and it's also like one of those things where it's like, if Disney really wanted to give us that kind of cool Easter egg and have this cool crossover, I feel like they would have made that obvious, you know? <laughs> so I, I don't think so, but it is a cool theory. The queen, as in Rapunzel's mother, uh, gets sick. And so, and this is before Rapunzel's born. Um, I think it's even before she's conceived. So everyone goes out and looks for the magic flower, which makes me wonder, because no explanation is offered, how do they know about it? <laughs> you know, and even if they didn't necessarily know about the flower, they just were looking for something that could potentially heal the queen, why would they see that flower and think, oh, this is it. This is what we need. You know, like it just, it's one of those things that because it's a fairy tale and fairy tales sometimes have just some convenient things that happen. I talked in the last episode of the podcast about how Into the Woods even kind of like pokes fun at that. Uh, you know, you just got to go with it. And then the narrator, who is, of course, Flynn slash Eugene, also tells us deep within the forest in a hidden tower Gothel raised the child as her own because once Gothel realizes that basically Rapunzel is the flower, she abducts her because she needs that constant source of rejuvenation from her hair. Well, she doesn't need it, but she wants it. Although I would argue she does need it to stay alive because we find out at the end of the movie that, you know, like once that flower is no more, basically all the centuries that she's lived or however long it's been catch up with her and she basically mummifies if that's the right word she basically just like deteriorates because she basically rapidly becomes hundreds of years old <laughs> so uh yeah so if she wants to live she does need it but you know that's another discussion for another time uh but it makes me wonder like was the tower hidden with magic or something i mean i don't think so because Flynn slash Eugene <laughs> uh, finds it, you know, as he's running, uh, he finds it and it's not invisible or anything. So I don't think so, but it just seems very weird that nobody would have come across that, especially since it doesn't seem like it's all that far from the castle, like closer to the end of the movie, Flynn is riding Maximus and racing back to the tower because he realizes that Rapunzel might be in danger. And it doesn't seem like it takes him all that long to get there. You know, like it doesn't seem like it's all that far. Now, granted, it could be that it's just not showing us the whole journey on screen that we're meant to interpret that some of it happened off screen, but I don't know. It just, it seems very weird to me that a very tall tower that stands out in the middle of a forest would never be noticed by anybody, you know? Like, you would think that the king and queen are, like, desperately searching for this baby of theirs. Somebody on a search would have come across this tower. So that's why I say it seems weird that it's not, like, magically hidden or something, because, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it is. So it's it's definitely weird. 
it also seems to me like all of that hair would be incredibly uncomfortable and annoying. Like I was just thinking, cause I've, I've never had my hair long. Like the longest I've ever had my hair was, uh, in college, I wore it like not quite at my shoulders, but relatively close. Like it was, you know, it was well past my ears. Um, and that's the longest I've ever had my hair. And I cannot imagine the discomfort that would very likely come from having all of that hair. I mean, it seems like there'd be weight attached to your body that you'd have to carry around with you. And it seems like you would be tripping over it all the time, that it would constantly be getting in the way of everything. It'd be getting caught on things. Uh, it just does not seem fun. <laughs> uh, I mean, later in the movie, a group of young girls in the city, I guess you would call it like the, um, basically like this movie's version of King's Landing from Game of Thrones, like <laughs> the village around the castle, you know, and also like what you see in the frozen movies, like Arendelle, uh, you know, there, there's a group of young girls that get all excited at the prospect of braiding Rapunzel's hair. And so they braid it and that somehow makes it so that it doesn't drag on the ground that it doesn't hit the ground behind her. And she seems very, very grateful for that. Thanks them. And, you know, I would too. Like I said, that doesn't seem comfortable. But at the same time, that doesn't seem comfortable either because now it seems like that would be like really, really heavy. Like that would really be weighing your head down. You know, like, I mean, I can't say for sure how much hair weighs. I don't know. <laughs> but... I mean, that's a lot of hair. The first scene that you see the hair in, you see just how much it is. Like, she's able to basically, like, cover the floor of her bedroom in the tower with it. You know? It's a lot of hair. So having that much hair tied up uh, behind your head, going down your back, seems to me like it would be very uncomfortable and heavy. But I don't know. Now, one thing that I do find really interesting about this movie... It is something that I think sets it apart from a lot of other Disney movies is that there is a discussion to be had, I think, about how much good is in Gothel, how evil she truly is, what her true motivation was the whole time. You know, there's interesting discussion to be had there. There's debate to be had there. And that, I think, is not usual for a lot of Disney villains because most Disney villains like the Evil Queen, Maleficent, you know, they are just pure evil. They don't ever show a soft side. They don't ever show any kind of nuance or complexity. They're just pure evil. They enjoy inflicting pain and harm. But that's not necessarily true of Gothel. I mean, you see moments throughout the movie, and this is another similarity that she has with the witch from Into the Woods. You see humanity. I think that there's an interesting discussion to be had about whether or not any part of her whatsoever loved Rapunzel. I would say the way that I read it is that her main motivation is definitely uh, her hair. Like that's the main thing that Gothel treasures is her hair because it keeps her young. But there's also, and this, this is why it's so interesting. This is why we could have a whole debate, a whole conversation about this because, you know, you could counter-argue what I'm about to say by saying that it's just manipulative, you know, because she does show some softness 
as well, and some maternal behavior. Uh, she agrees to go on a three-day journey to get paint for Rapunzel. She uh, offers to make hazelnut soup, which is apparently Rapunzel's favorite dish. You know, also, Gothel could have just locked Rapunzel up in this room and not given her anything to do. Just let her rot in this room. And again, I suppose you could make the argument that, well, the only reason that she, you know, let her read and paint and bake and uh, have a pet and do all this stuff is because she needed her on her good side, right? Rapunzel's going to refuse to sing and make her hair keep her young if she's mistreated, right? So pretend to love her, pretend to be kind to her. That's the thing. Like, this is why this is so fascinating, that people really do do this. It's a form of abuse, you know? And I do think that that is what's happening here. I do think that Gothel is manipulating Rapunzel and therefore abusing her, you know, because she will manipulate her into thinking that, okay, so here's a good example. There's a scene in the movie when Gothel kind of loses her cool with Rapunzel because Rapunzel is begging to leave the tower and see the floating lights on her birthday. And Gothel refuses. Rapunzel basically insists and keeps asking. And Gothel loses her cool and yells. And she says, you are not leaving this tower ever. And she can tell, like, as soon as she says that, she sees, like, the hurt look on Rapunzel's face and sits down and starts, like, Gothel, that is, she sits down and starts looking kind of morose and uh, says, oh, great, now I'm the bad guy. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely very manipulative. It's extremely manipulative to victimize somebody and then, like, react to their pain by victimizing, like pretending that you're the victim. It's very, very manipulative. It's extremely manipulative. So, you know, I would argue, I'm kind of torn on this because I would argue that Gothel's main focus is, of course, the hair. That's what she mainly wants is Rapunzel's hair to keep herself young. The gifts and the cooked meals and the occasional warmth and kindness and joking around and things that seem maternal could very well just be manipulation. Uh, I think that that's very, very possible and likely even. But I personally see some humanity in her. I don't think that she's pure evil. And I do think that there might have been a very small part of her, even though it might not have been her initial intention, like, I don't think that she abducted Rapunzel with the intention of like, oh, I get to raise a child now. I get to be a mother. I'm going to have a wonderful daughter that I'm going to love and cherish. Like, that was not the original intention. But I do get the impression that over time, a little bit of maternal love did develop. Especially since like, and again, it's very manipulative, but some of the points that Gothel makes, you know, about predatory men and danger and things like that. And you don't have to worry about any of that stuff if you just stay at home, you know, like you're safe from the world if you just stay with me. 
Um, I mean, it's the world is dangerous, you know? <laughs> um, but then at the same time, you think to yourself, yeah, but does she really care about Rapunzel's safety? Or does she just not want to risk somebody else taking her hair? This is a precious commodity. And if I let her out of the tower, somebody else might come across it and want it for themselves. And then I've lost her, you know? So this is one of the most complex, one of the most nuanced Disney villains that we've ever gotten. And that is something that I really, really appreciate about this movie. But uh, I think it's the first scene that Gothel and Rapunzel are in together. Um, this is the scene that I referred to earlier as having all the Easter eggs in it um, of other villains. And Gothel looks in the mirror with Rapunzel and says, Rapunzel, look in that mirror. You know what I see? I see a strong, confident, beautiful young lady. This is like, at first you're thinking, oh, that's so sweet. Like, that's that's such a nice thing to say to her. But then she says, oh, look, you're here too. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, that's the joke is that she was talking about herself. And I will say that like, Gothel, I think this is part of the reason too why it's hard for me to see her as pure evil. Even though humor and charm definitely don't necessarily mean that somebody is less evil. <laughs> um, so it's probably kind of silly that I'm saying this, but um, Gothel is very funny and kind of charming. Again, though, that's probably something that she uses to her advantage to manipulate. Um, but, you know, I, I like that line because it's funny and, but it's also the kind of line that it's like, it blurs that line. You know, it's like, I mean, that could just be, I, I can see, I can definitely see a mother daughter relationship like that where they tease each other and poke fun at each other like that, you know, like it's playful. It's not actually meant to be an insult, but at the same time, you see the look on Rapunzel's face when Gothel says that, and it's not humor, like it's not amusement. So that to me suggests that they have not built that kind of relationship with each other. Even if Gothel means it playfully, that's not how Rapunzel is responding to it, and yet Gothel is still continuing to do it. So it's kind of problematic, but it is funny. But one of the ongoing bits, if you will, in this movie is Flynn's uh, wanted posters and how he is not satisfied with the way that the sketch artist gets his nose. <laughs> um, and the first scene in which we see this is really funny because he finds a wanted poster and freaks out. He's like, oh, no, this is bad. This is really, really bad. And you think at first that he's reacting to the fact that he's on a wanted poster, you know, because you would <laughs> like, oh, no, this is bad. People are out for me. You know, like I'm in trouble. Uh, but then he's like, they just can't get my nose right. <laughs> so that's what his issue was. It wasn't that he's on a wanted poster. It's that they don't get his nose right. It kind of reminds me of I mean, it's not the same thing, but it just reminds me of it because it's a situation where. A character is responding to something that at first seems like a reasonable response to whatever it is they're responding to, but then they say something else and it's like, oh, that's not what they were thinking. <laughs> and what it reminds me of, of course, is Mike Wazowski from, you know, Monsters Inc. and Monsters University, 
and how like every time his face is featured on something, it's covered. And so like the first time that happens, he's like, oh my God, I can't believe it, Sully. I can't believe it. I'm actually featured on a cover. You know, like (laughs) you think at first that he's upset that his face is covered up, but no, he's actually just freaking out because he's on the cover of something. He doesn't seem to care that his face is covered. (laughs) So kind of reminds me of that. And like I said, this is a bit that kind of just goes on and on and on throughout the movie. Uh, There's a scene later where Maximus, the horse, uh, sees a wanted poster of Flynn and uses a hoof to cover his nose, to cover Flynn's nose on the picture. And only then is he able to identify that, yeah, that's him. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it's just an ongoing joke throughout the movie. And after Rapunzel's first meeting with Flynn, because, you know, he... um, hides in the tower, not realizing that anybody's in there, gets hit over the head with a frying pan, uh, and uh, Rapunzel hides him in her closet. And she says, I've got a person in my closet. And all I could think was, because like her first song in the movie is When Will My Life Begin? You know, like, yeah, I've got all this stuff going on. I cook, I bake, I clean, I put puzzles together, I, you know, read, I paint, I sew, I do all this stuff, but, you know, when will my real life begin? When will I actually start experiencing the world and living? Uh, And it seems like, okay, you've got a person in your closet. It's about to happen. Your life is about to begin. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, I also do appreciate that, like many Disney princesses, she has like full-on conversations with Pascal. It's not just that she's, Pascal is her chameleon. It's not that she's talking to him the way that you or I would talk to our pet, you know, um, where we have like one-sided conversations with them. It's like, no, she's like, it seems like she actually does somehow understand him and has just full-on conversations with him. So this is a typical Disney princess thing that Tangled is bringing in. But I will also say that it seems like Disney is, um, you know, kind of starting to make male characters do that too. Because even in this movie, Flynn has full-on conversations with Maximus, who, by the way, is an unreasonably, ridiculously smart horse. (laughs) I mean, horses are incredibly smart animals, but, you know, just the the human-like tendencies and characteristics of this horse are ridiculous. (laughs) Um, But they have full-on conversations. And, you know, Kristoff has a very, very close relationship with Sven in the Frozen movies and has conversations with him. So it does seem like it's becoming a, I don't want to say a Disney prince thing, because in the original fairy tale, you know, it is a prince, but Flynn's not a prince. He's just standing in for that character. And I like that decision, that route that they went down. So Rapunzel, of course, wants out of the tower. Gothel's already told her no, but she wants to leave the tower, not only to experience the world, but she also wants to see these floating lights that appear every year on her birthday. And she sees Flynn's arrival as destiny, fate, because she thinks, I want out of here. This is somebody who can bring me to the lights, you know? So 
Uh, she tells Flynn that she has made the decision to trust him. And he responds, a horrible decision, really. <laughs> and honestly, I think that Flynn is a big part of the reason why this movie is beloved by so many. Because he is a very funny, complex character. And not initially a hero, you know? Like, this is somebody who, over the course of the movie, kind of finds redemption. Because he's a thief, right? He's a bandit, essentially. And now, here's the thing, okay? There's a podcast that I listen to that I really, really like. I highly recommend it. It's called The Villain Was Right. And it's hosted by um, comedians Craig Fay and Rebecca Reeds. They're Canadian comedians. And uh, they look at a movie or a show, and usually a movie, and kind of analyze it from the villain's perspective. And I mean, their whole like slogan is, you know, we look at movies and shows from the villain's perspective and dare to ask, were they really all that bad? Uh, and they've done an episode on Tangled. And it's definitely like when I found out that they'd done that, I was like, yeah, that seems like the really, that just seems like a really great movie for a podcast like that because of the complex, nuanced characters. You know, you've got... Flynn Rider, who does end up becoming noble and just and right and good and all that stuff, but he starts off as a thief. Gothel is clearly selfish and even tries to murder Flynn, and, you know, she's very villainous, but she also, at times, maybe is showing tenderness, maybe. Like, it's complex. We don't know for sure. It could just be purely manipulative. Probably is, but still, there's complexity and nuance there. So I just felt like this is a perfect movie for them to cover, and I do definitely recommend you check that out. I'll put it in the show notes, but the reason I bring it up is that, if I remember correctly, one of the points that they made is that, you know, Flynn was never really all that bad because he was stealing from the rich. <laughs> I mean, if you steal a crown from a royal castle, it's very unlikely that that's going to, like, ruin their lives, you know? Like, they're going to be fine. <laughs> I'm not advocating for theft here. Don't misunderstand. But, um, you know, it's it's like in the grand scheme of things, there are much worse things that Flynn Rider could be or do. But still, he's kind of framed as uh, trouble, you know, when we first meet him. Someone that you probably shouldn't trust. I mean, he double crosses the other two bandits, the other two thugs. Um, so seemingly not a great guy. But... Then as the movie progresses, you know, we see the softer side of him. We see that most likely a lot of what he's been doing has been a front, you know. Um, there seems to be some sort of implication, hint that he's been hurt in his past, you know. So, uh, and I think there are hints that suggest Gothel was too. In fact, um, I definitely recommend reading uh, Mother Knows Best by Serena Valentino. I've mentioned her book series before on the podcast, and that is um, her longest one. It's the longest book in the series so far and explores Gothel's past, you know, and, and um, what led her to how we see her entangled. And it's a very dark story. Um, she definitely has experienced some pain in her life. So uh, yeah, definitely recommend checking that out. But yeah, he's just a he's a very interesting nuanced character. I think that's part of his uh charm. 
Um, so again, I would definitely recommend checking out that, that episode of the podcast because I mean, they talk a little bit about that. They talk a little bit about Gothel, you know? Um, but anyway, it's like, I think that part of his legacy, part of the reason why people love him so much and part of the reason for the movie's legacy even is that he has become so memeable, (laughs) you know, like this scene of him saying like, you know, a horrible decision really And then later in the movie, when he's at the tavern and all of the ruffians like point swords at him after he says, I don't sing, those have both become memes. (laughs) Um, So yeah, and that scene in the tavern is really, really funny because he's like, you know, sorry, boys, I don't sing. And then all those swords are pointed at him. And immediately, you know, next shot, a second later, he's dancing and singing. (laughs) So it's a great scene. But um. Yeah, Flynn seems like he's just endured um, in in pop culture in a lot of ways. Uh, Because like I said, I can think of at least two popular memes that he's featured in. I would say that I have two favorite songs from this movie. And I'll discuss the music and the songs a little bit more later on. But, you know, I would say that I have two songs that I really, really love. Mother Knows Best which is the song that Gothel sings to Rapunzel after Rapunzel asks if she can leave the tower. And I See the Light. I See the Light is a beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous song. Uh, And it's a duet between um, Rapunzel and Flynn Rider. And it's just a gorgeous song. I love the little scenes where we get to see him, you know, taking his walls down and trusting Rapunzel, letting her in, uh, you know, sharing things about himself with her and just opening up to her. And, you know, he tells her that Flynn Rider's not his real name. It's actually Eugene Fitzherbert. And it's kind of a weird thing for me because I usually still find myself calling him Flynn because he just doesn't look like a Eugene to me. He looks exactly like a Flynn, but he doesn't look like a Eugene. So even though that is actually his real name and he seems to be comfortable with it by the end of the movie... I just, for some reason, can't call him that. He doesn't look like a Eugene to me, so. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I just, I love this scene. I mean, I think that this scene is probably, if I had to take a guess, it's probably the main reason that this movie is the most expensive animated movie ever made. There were, like, an insane amount of paper lanterns that were animated for this scene. And each and every one of them was individually animated. So, (laughs) you know, between that and Rapunzel's hair, I, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely makes sense why this was the most expensive movie ever made. And I feel like it's those two scenes that really have to be the reason or not scenes because her hair is shows up in multiple times, shows up multiple times throughout the movie, but her hair, those two elements, we'll say, her hair and the lights, the 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 paper lanterns. Uh, you know, I just, I feel like those two things must be why this movie was so expensive because I take those two things out of the equation and I'm like, I don't know what else to attribute that to. Like, I mean, it just doesn't seem, it, it, it's a nice enough looking movie, but it doesn't seem like it would cost that much. So, you know, that's why I say it's very likely those two elements, especially the I see the light scene with the, the, the lanterns. 
But Gothel recruits the two thugs that Flynn double-crossed earlier in the movie, near the beginning of the movie. And, I mean, this is another situation. I think that the the villain was right on their podcast episode about this movie, talked about this, too, where it's like, I mean, they were doing the same thing that Flynn was. So, you know, it's like, why do we see Flynn as a hero, as one of the, quote, good guys, but these two thugs are bad guys, they're villains, even though they were doing the same thing he was. They were thieving, you know? And, like, working with Gothel, you know, Gothel promising them that, you know, here's the crown, and also I will give you an opportunity to get revenge on Flynn. Like, I mean, I can't necessarily blame them. (laughs) You know, I mean, he did betray them. He did double-cross them after promising that he wouldn't. You know, like, that's pretty awful. (laughs) So I can't necessarily blame them. And then also, I mean, we look at Gothel as being a villain because of how, like, vain she is and obsessed with looking young she is and, um, you know, self-centered she is. But Flynn is too. Flynn is very, very selfish and vain and obsessed with his looks. Even by the end of the movie, after he's been redeemed, you know, he still seems to be that way, you know? There's potentially, I mean, I guess the difference is that he's not hurting anybody to stay youthful, (laughs) you know? Like, uh, he's not victimizing anybody. But still, you know, there's that central trait that I think the movie wants us to see it as charming and funny in him, but villainous and evil in Gothel. And I don't quite understand that. Uh, But Gothel tries to convince Rapunzel that Flynn is using her and doesn't actually like her uh, when she sings the reprise of Mother Knows Best. She, again, Gothel is trying to convince her that Flynn is just using you. He wants this crown back. And then once he gets that, he's going to be gone. He doesn't like you. Um, And she says some really mean things. You know, like she says... Because Rapunzel says, you know, Mother, I think he might actually like me. And Gothel says, like you? Please, Rapunzel, that's demented. Why would he like you? Come on now, really. I mean, that's pretty mean. I mean, it's not the first time that she's insulted her. Earlier in the movie, um, you know, she said that she was chubby. Uh, I think she said something about her, like, dressing sloppily or something like that. You know, like... She's definitely insulted her before, but to me, this is, like, where it's the harshest, because when she did it earlier in the movie, usually it was kind of playful. Like, you know, like, the the line that I referred to earlier about, you know, like, oh, and look, you're there too, you know? Like, um, she kind of laughs that off and even says, oh, I'm just kidding, Rapunzel, you know? But here, it's very, like, it's very clear that she, this is an insult. It's not a joke. You know, it's not, that's not the intention behind it. Um, She's being very cruel here. Um, Basically trying to convince Rapunzel that nobody's ever going to like you because you're not worth being liked. Like, I'm the only person who's ever going to love you, Uh, which is just incredibly abusive. So, you know, it's one of those things, especially since, like, if she truly did believe that, you know, 
Eugene is just going to, Eugene Flynn, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> he's just going to abandon you the second he gets what he wants. Like, okay, I mean, some people are like that. You know, I think that that would have been a valid concern of Gopal's. But I don't think that she truly does believe that because she orchestrates this plan to make Rapunzel think that Flynn abandoned her, even though he didn't really. So I don't think she actually believes that Flynn would leave her. This is just her being manipulative. So, and, you know, I mean, I mentioned earlier how she seems to clearly be jealous of Rapunzel, and I think that's one of the reasons why she puts her down and insults her. And that jealousy is another reason why I think some people, uh, you know, have that theory that she and the evil queen might be the same person. But eventually, of course, you know, after Rapunzel mistakenly believes that Flynn did abandon her with the crown, she goes back home with Gothel. But she eventually starts putting pieces together and realizes that she is the missing princess. That's why every year on her birthday, these floating lights are out in the sky because her family's trying to find her. She puts these pieces together and figures that out. And I've seen some people point out before that it's potentially a plot hole that Gothel didn't just lie to Rapunzel about her birthday because Gothel's pretty cunning and smart. So you would think that she would foresee that, that, well, eventually she's going to realize that these floating lanterns are out in the sky every single year on her birthday. And she's going to start to question why that is. So I'll just lie about her birthday. I'll tell her her birthday is something other than what it really is. But clearly she did tell her the truth about her birthday because Rapunzel recognizes that these things are out in the sky every year on her birthday. So why didn't Gothel just lie? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is potentially a bit of a plot hole, but it doesn't really bother me. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, Rapunzel eventually puts these pieces together, realizes that Gothel is not actually her mother. She's the missing princess, and Gothel's been using her for her hair to stay young. And... Gothel says, everything I did was to protect you. And this is another perfect example of, you know, I mean, you could even make the argument that Gothel is so good at being manipulative that she's even manipulating some people in the audience at home. That could be why there's this debate. That could be why there are people who say, no, she's, she's not pure evil. There's a little bit of good in her. There's a little bit of humanity in her. There's a small part of her that actually does love Rapunzel as a daughter and as a human being. Maybe part of the reason why some people think that is that Gothel has successfully persuaded them of that, <laughs> that she's that manipulative. Uh, because this is just a great example. It's like, everything I did was to protect you. She's not technically lying, no matter how you look at it. You know, like, no matter which side of that argument you stand on, she's telling the truth there. Because if you believe that there is a part of her that really does love Rapunzel, then okay, maybe that does make a little bit of sense that she was trying to keep Rapunzel safe. She was trying to prevent her from, you know, uh, being victim to a predatory person, or she was trying to prevent her from getting her heart broken or, you know, whatever. But if you're on the other side of that and say, no, she didn't love Rapunzel at all. Rapunzel was a tool that's it, then everything I did was to protect you is still true. That everything I've done was to protect the flower. Everything I've done 
was to protect you because you are the flower that I need. Even that line is like, I don't know if Gothel realizes she's doing it. I think she probably does. But even that line could have a double meaning and could go either or both ways, <laughs> you know? So Eugene Flynn, like I said, he does die. At the beginning of the movie, he says, I'm going to tell you about the story of how I died. And he does technically because um, Gothel stabs him and uh, Rapunzel pleads with Gothel. I feel like this scene is another reason why I'm conflicted. This scene right here is another reason why I feel like maybe she does have a little bit of good in her because Rapunzel pleads with Gothel. She says, um, please, I will go with you willingly. I will stay with you forever. I will never try to leave if you let me heal him. To me, like, Gothel's face softens a little bit when Rapunzel makes this case, when she pleads with her, and she does let her do it. It doesn't end up going Gothel's way because uh, before, you know, uh, Rapunzel is able to save Flynn with her hair, Flynn cuts it off. <laughs> and that is foreshadowed earlier in the movie because Rapunzel tells him that, um, you know, if you cut my hair, it turns brown and is useless, you know, is no longer magic. So Flynn remembered that and cut her hair so that she couldn't save him and sacrifice herself by being Gothel's prisoner forever. It's a very, it's kind of a sad scene because um, after he cuts her hair, she no longer has the ability to save him, and so he does die from the the uh, dagger wound. I think it was a dagger that she stabbed him with. And because this is a Disney movie and not Into the Woods, <laughs> uh, his death is not permanent. Um, this is never explained. I don't know if I understand how or why it happens. It's just one of those things, you know, it's like, it's a Disney movie. We've got to have a happy ending, so... <laughs> uh, but Rapunzel is grieving and, um, you know, just emotionally torn because of his death. And so she cries and it seems like her tears somehow recreate the ability that her hair had and bring him back to life and heal him. I'm not sure how that happened. There is a tangled TV series that I've seen the first episode of. I haven't seen the entire show. I would like to eventually, but I haven't yet. And I don't know. It's possible that maybe that's explored more in the series, that it's revealed that she still has that power in her in a way. It's just uh, because she doesn't have the hair anymore, it's manifested in a different way. Like maybe now it's through her tears or something. I don't know. Um, like I said, I... I don't know if the show explores that because I haven't seen the whole show, but, um, you know, for purposes of just looking at this movie, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, it's a deus ex machina. We've got to have a happy ending here. So, but I will say that part of the reason why his death scene is so sad, even though it's not really a death scene technically because he does come back, is he says to her, you were my new dream. And that is definitely heartbreaking because... You know, it calls back to the scene earlier in the movie at the tavern uh, where all those ruffians were singing, I've got a dream. And uh, Flynn revealed that his dream was basically to just be rich 
You know, he wanted all the money in the world and just to be able to live a luxurious, carefree life. And he's saying now that you changed that for me. Like my new dream was just to be with you because I fell in love with you. And so that's very beautiful. It's sweet. Um, and then I also do love um, near the end of the movie, uh, you know, he's kind of sort of still narrating. He's like we hear him as a voiceover. Um, and he says something to the effect of like, I know what you're all asking. I know what you all want to know. Did Rapunzel and I ever get married? And then he says something like, you know, well, I'm happy to tell you that, you know, after years and years of asking and asking and asking, I finally said yes. (laughs) Um, you know, and we immediately know that that's not actually true because then Rapunzel chimes in and is like, Eugene... And he's like, fine, fine, yeah, I asked her. But even if we hadn't gotten that, I think we would have known that, yeah, that's not how it happened. <laughs> he's just full of himself. Uh, but I do also love how, like, they don't immediately get married, you know? Like, that was kind of like the new trend for more modern-day Disney movies is um, people don't need to get married right away, like the day after they meet. You know, um, they did get married eventually, but it wasn't until several years together. We learned that from this last piece of dialogue here, this uh, voiceover. So, yeah, I mean, that is that's tangled. So moving into my rating, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of listeners are probably not going to be very happy with me (laughs) because, like I said, this really is like a it seems to me to be a beloved Disney movie. I'm seeing memes all the time on social media about how Tangled is better than Frozen. Um, It's one of the best animated Disney movies to have come out of the last 20 years. People just really seem to love this movie. And I love that for them. (laughs) It's not one of my favorites. I don't dislike this movie by any stretch. Like I said, It's got some really great, nuanced, complex characters. Even Rapunzel is not a traditional Rapunzel. You know, she's very, very fiery and headstrong and knows what she wants. And um, I mean, yeah, she's just she's definitely not a traditional Disney princess uh, or a traditional princess from a fairy tale. And so the characters are interesting and complex and nuanced. I really, really appreciate that aspect of it. But for some reason, it just has never really deeply resonated with me like some other Disney movies have. And it also just seems like a very um, like small, contained world. That's part of the reason why I said that the, the lights and Rapunzel's hair must be the two main reasons why this movie was so expensive. Is that, I mean, it doesn't really give us a whole lot of world building. There are very few locations seen throughout the movie. We see the tower, the tavern, the castle, and, you know, some other spots here and there. But for the most part, there's not really a whole lot of uh, world here, you know? So it just kind of feels, compared to some other Disney movies, it just feels kind of small to me. And also, I... With the exception of I See the Light and Mother Knows Best, like I said, I love those two songs. 
I'm not even sure if I can decide between the two of them. I think probably I See the Light would probably be my favorite if I had to pick. But I do love both of those songs. And of course, by extension, because I like Mother Knows Best, the reprise, Mother Knows Best reprise, although the the first one is better than the reprise, in my opinion. Um, But, you know, with the exception of those two songs, none of the music in this movie really stands out to me. Like... When Will My Life Begin is okay. It's nothing special, really. It's okay. Uh, I've Got a Dream I don't really care for. Most of the music doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Uh, so, you know, I I kind of struggled with my rating here. I was like, six seems very low. And I think undeservedly low. Because overall, I do enjoy this movie. And I would watch it again and probably will watch it again. Uh, but it's just, it's not one of my favorites. Like if somebody asks me, you know, make a list of your top 10 favorite animated Disney movies of all time, Tangled's not on there. And again, I know some people are going to hate me for that. <laughs> but uh, it just it just doesn't stand out to me like some other movies do. So, uh, you know, I'm settling on a seven, uh, which is still, you know, I've given a lot of movies on this podcast sevens. And I've given movies sevens that I really like, including this one. You know, like, to me, that's not a terrible rating. You know, I don't hate this movie. I don't even dislike it. It's just not necessarily a highlight for me, you know? Um, so seven to me is like, you know, yeah, I liked it. I'd watch it again, but not a masterpiece. Okay, so moving into listener feedback, uh, I did not get any uh, for this episode for Tangled, but I did want to offer a correction, a couple of corrections actually, um, regarding my Into the Woods episode. Uh, so this is feedback from myself, I guess. <laughs> um, but I, I just I wanted to correct a couple of things that I said in the last episode regarding Into the Woods, um, because I talked about how the baker's wife, she says, you know, you would take money before a child. And after watching that movie again and doing my podcast episode about it, I went back, I watched the original Broadway production that was released on DVD. And for some reason, there was a light that went on in me when the baker's wife in that version said that. And I realized she's not saying you would take money from a child. She's saying you would sooner take money than you would have a child. That's what she meant. But it's worded kind of weird, you know, like you would take money before a child. When Emily Blunt's baker's wife says that in the movie, I thought she meant, you know, you would take money from this child like who does that who takes money from a kid and I pointed out that that was kind of hypocritical because she knowingly swindled him earlier in the movie conned him but I think what she meant was uh you would sooner take money than a child you would rather have money than have a child you know so that makes a little more sense I <laughs> I I think I misinterpreted that I also mentioned how in the original Broadway production, the actress who played Little Red Riding Hood was a young woman in her uh, early 20s. 
And that actually was not true. So I want to offer a correction there. Um, so the actress that played her in the original Broadway production actually was not much older than Lilla Crawford, the actress that plays her in the movie. However, the reason that I was mistakenly under the impression that the character was originally played by someone in her early 20s is that a recent uh, run of the play did include an actress named Julia Lester, who was 22 when she played this character, Little Red Riding Hood and Into the Woods. So I somehow must have heard that or read that somewhere and misinterpreted it as, oh, that was the original Broadway actress when that wasn't the case. Um, but again, I, I, I came to these realizations after watching the stage play, after watching the stage musical and realized that I had made a couple of errors. <laughs> uh, the last thing that I want to say about Into the Woods is I mentioned on the podcast how I didn't understand why the baker and his wife were back in the woods in the first place or the second place. <laughs> if you've seen Into the Woods and, uh, you know, you're familiar with it, then you likely get that joke. But, uh, you know, in the second act, it's like, why are they back out in the woods wandering again? Like, what is the explanation here? And the movie doesn't really tell you that, but the musical does. There are a few scenes from the beginning of the second act of the musical that are cut from the movie for some reason. And I really don't know why they were cut because they're kind of important. They set up, you know, they basically like set up the second act, you know, like they, they put things into place for the second act and the movie cut them out. I don't know why. Uh, so yeah, anyway, just offering some corrections regarding some things that I said about into the woods in the last episode um, but that does it for this episode and Tangled. And, uh, if you would like to contact me, reach out to me, be part of the listener feedback section, uh, hate on me for not absolutely loving and doting over Tangled, then go for it. Uh, you can email disneyshpodcast at gmail.com. You can join the Facebook group, which is at facebook.com slash groups slash disneyshpodcast. You can follow the Instagram page, Disney's Podcast, and you can also follow my personal Instagram page, which is at The Lost Passenger. Please make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening, because that way you will never miss a new episode when it drops. You'll be one of the first to know that a new episode has dropped. And next up is Tangled Ever After. This is a short, it's very short, it's a very short film. That, amongst other things, <laughs> uh, depicts Flynn's and Rapunzel's wedding. So that's what I'll be talking about next time on the show. If you have any thoughts that you would like to share about Tangled or Tangled Ever After or anything Disney-related, really, uh, please feel free to reach out using one of those methods that I just gave you. But until next time, I better get going because I've got a person in my closet. Bye.